Hi, this is Nathan, and you're listening to a public church podcast. We would love to connect with you on social media at a public church, or you can visit our website, publicchurch.com. Thanks for listening. I love the 12 o'clock. Anybody else love the 12 o'clock? Man, you guys are awesome. You're ready to go. And so we are beginning a new series called Be Still. The subtitle is The Art of of letting go. So to start us off, we're actually going to have a group confession time. Now, you may have heard that confession is good for the soul, so let's find out. Let's see if it is. Now, um, so here's how you confess. I'm going to ask a question. All you got to do is just raise your hand. You're watching on YouTube, listen to podcasts, just throw your hand up there like you just don't care. Anyway, but the thing is, all right, you may be thinking, man, what if people find out something new about me? Look, the question I'm asking is not going to reveal anything new. Everybody around us already knows the answer to this question. So you guys ready? Okay, we're going to try that. Just back up. I bragged on you, said we're excited. Let's try that one more time. Are you guys ready? Good. Uh, Maybe we can delete that out of YouTube. But anyway, here's the question. Do you enjoy being in control? Raise your hand. Mm, Keep those hands up. Look around. Look around. Doesn't it feel good to know that we're not alone? Okay, you can put your hands down. Some of you didn't raise your hand because you can't control how someone perceive you if you did raise your hand. You're sitting there thinking, ah, I like to control, but I'm not over the top. But if I raise my hand, will they think I'm over the top and I can't control how they're going to perceive me? If I raise my hand, you should have raised your hand. I'm just saying. So this series is for the control freaks. Maybe that's too harsh. It's for those of us who just like, we enjoy being in control. This series is for us. And I'm convinced, no scientific research here, just my personal opinion, that all of us have at least a sliver of our personality, a part of our lives that we enjoy controlling. So maybe you're not all the way here with me and a control freak or anything like that, but maybe you're just like, there's this sliver I really like to control. This series is for you. Now, if you're sitting here pushing back against this and saying, look, I don't like to control. I just want somebody to decide for me and tell me what to do. The series is still for you because here's what we, the rest of us, need you to do. We need you to take notes and help us work through our issues because we have a lot of them, at least I do. So you can still help us with that. So let's dive in. We're actually gonna dive into Psalm 46. If you wanna join me in your Bible or Bible app, it's also gonna be on the screen. And as we read this Psalm to launch us in the series, we're actually gonna unearth some tension. Now here's how we're gonna unearth tension. We're gonna read it and just naturally react. Now, if you don't follow Jesus, maybe no one told you this, and so I want to be the one to tell you, this is how we should read the Bible. We shouldn't come read the Bible with pretense and, oh, hallelujah, and I have no idea what that means, but just praise the Lord. No, we should just read it from a standpoint of authenticity. I just believe that anytime we choose authenticity, we're actually taking a step towards Jesus. So that's how we should approach his word, not only in this gathering, but tomorrow when we read it and the next day when we read it in our homes. So that's what we're going to do this morning as we dive into Psalm 46. So verse one says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. This phrase in times of trouble, here's what it means. Seasons where chaos seems to reign. Did you walk in in one of those this morning? Maybe you didn't walk in in it, but I think all of us have been through those seasons where chaos just seemed to reign. And the group of people, there's a group of people that wrote this psalm. So this group of people, here's what they say. Even in a season where chaos seems to reign, I'm good because God is my refuge. He's my safe place. He's my hiding place, and he is my strength. So how do you naturally react to that? We'll keep going. So we will not fear. That's a bold statement, isn't it? We will not fear when earthquakes come 
and the mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. There's an incredible contrast going on here because it starts off talking about the mountains. And in this time period, the mountains were considered a symbol of security. So here's the contrast. The authors of this, they're saying, hey, even if my symbol of security crumbles, I am still going to have confidence in God because wherever he is, he brings stability. The city of God cannot slide. It cannot be shaken. It cannot be moved because God's very presence brings stability. How do you react to that? The next verse is another contrast. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. I think the message version actually helps us feel this contrast even more. It says this, godless nations rant and rave. This is like chaos and conflict, doesn't it? Kings and kingdoms threaten more conflict. But earth does anything he says. In the midst of chaos and conflict, the words of God bring stability. He goes on. Verse 7 and verse 11 are actually the same. So we're going to read verse 7. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. This group of authors that wrote this, here's what they're saying. Look, you know who's on our side? The God of heaven's armies. Like our God has heaven's armies at his disposal. Say, we're good. We are confident. Do you react like they do? Do you agree with them? Or do you push back? They say this, come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. If I'm just naturally acting, that disturbs me a little bit. Because I'm like, oh, why is he destroying the world? But I keep reading, I see the context. It says, he causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shields with fire. In other words, here's the destruction. He is destroying instruments of war to bring peace. That God is destroying instruments of war to bring peace. It says he breaks the bow, snaps the spear. Man, that's some imagery, isn't it? That's showing the power of our God. And now, here's a question I have, though. So the psalmist are saying, hey, God's going to end war, but he hasn't. Like, from the time this psalm was written until now, wars are still ongoing. So what do we make of this? And I think if we could ask the psalmist who wrote it, they would say, well, there's a futuristic bent of this psalm that they had seen on a small scale God end a war, and they had confidence that one day on a large, all-encompassing scale, God would bring justice for all, that God would bring a peace that ended all wars, that God would bring restoration for all. That's confidence in God, isn't it? Do you believe that, or do you push back against it? And then in verse 10, be still. And know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation. I will be honored throughout the world. Be still. Relax. Cease striving. And know that he is God. And as God, the second part of that verse is is telling us this. Everything he says will happen. It says, if God says it, we can go ahead and move it in the category of done it. Because we can count on God to do everything he says. So here's what this psalm is showing us at the start of our series. That the art of letting go starts with trusting God is in control. The art of letting go starts with trusting God is in control. So do you feel the tension 
The tension revolves around this word, trusting, trust. Because some of us read this psalm and here's our reaction. Yes, come on, read more. Yeah, I mean, I meant when I said a breakthrough is coming. Like I I believe, I have confidence that even if my season is dark, even if chaos is around me, man, God is gonna come through. I have confidence in him. And others of us heard this and reacted to it by, we wanted to stand up and yell some other words because we're disillusioned, we're, we're questioning, we're in a season where we can't really see the breakthrough and we're having trouble even believing if it's possible. And so the real starting point for us, the art of letting go starts with trusting God is in control. Because think about it. If you and I choose to be still, the world keeps going, doesn't it? That means that when we stop, when we relax, someone else has to control what we have let go of. So we're only going to cease striving. We're only going to be still if we trust the one who's in control when we let go. So really our control issues, the foundation, the starting point is we've got to wrestle with some trust issues. And I wish that in this series, we could just dive into every single reason that we have trust issues. We can't do that, but we are going to begin to dive in to this wrestling match that I think all of us have with trust today. And Rob Fultz is going to help us do this. Rob is a friend of mine. He's part of the public church family, and he's the campus pastor at Lee University. And as I've gotten to know Rob, and as I have heard Rob's story, here's what I've concluded. Man, this guy has wrestled with trust, and he is learning the art of letting go. And I know that I have been impacted by a story, and I just hope that you guys, and I pray that you guys will be impacted just like I have. So could we give a warm public church welcome to Rob Fultz? I do appreciate Todd uh, inviting me to come speak today because I have mastered the art of letting go. Uh, Control is not a problem for me. Um, I easily just let things go from history, from my past, from relationships, from all those things in life that, uh, oh, oh, this, this little thing? You look at, yeah. Uh, No, so the art of letting go, right? Letting go is hard. Now, in case you're wondering, yes, this is actually my letterman's jacket from high school that I still have. And my wife asks me all the time, why do you keep that? And I'm like, well, because it's cool, right? And you know, if you saw this in a vintage store, you'd pay like 200 bucks for it. So, so yeah, this, this actually represents part of my struggle and my journey with learning how to let go because this was my life. Most of my high school life, you know, I wasn't a follower of Jesus in high school, so everything about me was wrapped up in this. And all of this, all the dreams that I had in this, are, you know, none of it really came true. I mean, I thought maybe I was going to play football in college. That didn't happen. I thought I was going to do a lot of things that didn't happen. But this represents so much. It represents a story. It represents friendships. It represents struggles and challenges. It represents hard work. It represents so many things. It represents so many things that I've had to learn to let go of. And so I just wanted to wear this this morning just to prove to you that even I, yes, I, a pastor, have struggles with letting things go, okay? We're just people. And I think throughout this series and throughout this conversation, what you're going to realize is, yeah, even if you're not a follower of Jesus, Control is something that we all have to work through. But God gives us a lot of grace 
He gives us a lot of wisdom and he gives us a lot of opportunities to learn how to let things go. And I'm taking this off, not as an example, but because I'm hot and it's tight. So, well, there you go. There you go. Praise, praise the Lord. But, uh, but yeah, this, this idea of letting go, and that's, that's what we're talking about, the art of letting go. Now, the challenge is really the heart of the matter um, is control. It, it's, all about, it's all about control. And the reason why this is so difficult is because it's primitive. It's something that's woven inside each of our DNA, this idea of control. We want to keep as much control as we possibly can. We want to keep control in relationships as much as we can. We want to control trying to be hurt or not to be hurt. We don't control our circumstances as much as we can. So at the heart of this is the human need to control. This is the tension, I think, in Psalm 46, and this is definitely the tension that we have in our lives today. This is, this is just real life. And so I'm going to admit to you, yeah, it's really difficult sometimes to let go of dreams. I was talking to someone after the last service. They were asking me about all those medals, and, you know, some of them are from uh, track, and I was a all-star hurdler and all that kind of stuff. I know, it's crazy. Looking at me, you're like, there's no way. There's no way that boy could run hurdles. But I did. But I did. But the point is, you know, this, this, I couldn't do that anymore. This, this is not who I am. And so I'm going to admit to you that it's hard to let go of some things. It's really difficult sometimes that you've, things you put a lot of effort into, a lot of energy into, a lot of love, a lot of passion into. It's hard to let those go, and we want to control them. But this is the tension of our lives, and this is actually why it's so difficult to put our trust in God. It's so difficult for us to trust Him. So in my whole life, there uh, have been plenty of times uh, where I've had to learn to trust God, and especially as a follower of Jesus, it's been hard to trust Him. So once uh, in my life, and maybe you can relate to this, I was working a good job, and um, this job was, you know, it was a very prestigious job, and I got laid off. It was during the recession. Things went crazy, and next thing you know, I, I got laid off. And this eight-month period of my life, um, I applied for over 80 positions, never got an interview. Uh, I, I looked all over. I was doing construction on the side just to make ends meet for my family. We lost almost everything, our home, the whole nine yards, right? So in this span of eight months, God really took me through a process of learning how to trust him with my destiny because I was trying so hard to make it work my way. I was trying so hard to go my direction, the thing that I saw in me that I think God should let me do, right? The thing I'm trying to convince God to let me become. I was trying so hard to go in one direction. He was the whole time trying to pull me in a different one. And throughout that eight-month process, as I just learned to trust him with my future, with my destiny, he began to reveal some things to me. We began to kind of have this very intimate sort of relationship together. And there was this one stretch for about two months where the only thing that I could do was actually pray a verse in the Bible. You can find it in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where it says, I want to seek God, his kingdom, and his righteousness, and everything else is going to be taken care of. That's the only thing that I could pray. But through that process, I became a full-time pastor, which is the thing that God was really calling me to do. And I had to learn to trust God with my destiny. Another time, uh, shortly after that, actually, um, I was a senior pastor of a local church, 
um, my first time as a senior pastor. And, um, and we were there just a few months. And uh, the thing was, we had, this, we had this small church. It was a small church, but it was in like the Washington, D.C., Northern Virginia area, right? So property was very expensive. And we had this huge piece of property that actually connected to a government, government piece of property, and they wanted our property. And it wasn't a secret. So one day when I was sitting in my office, eight fire marshals showed up to this small church and they went from the front door to the back door and they marked anything and everything they could find wrong with the building. And eventually they condemned the building because there was no steps in the back, right? So it took us two years. It took this church eight locations in two years, but we finally got our building back. And now that church is thriving. It's growing. It's worth millions of dollars. But, but God was teaching me a lot how to trust him through circumstances in that journey because I can't control those things. You know, my name was being slandered in the community. I mean, they were trying to take our property, and it was, a, it was not a secret that they were trying to. But I had to learn to trust God through circumstances. And so that was something else that he taught me. But one of the craziest ways that God has sort of taught me to trust him is through driving. Amen. It's through driving. So I'm going to, since we're in the mood this morning to take uh, more surveys, um, and I already know the answer to this one too. Where's all my road ragers at, okay? All right, all my, all my folks on YouTube, I know you're raising your hand as well, but okay, so here's the deal. Here's the deal, okay? We're all guilty, all right? I know we are. It's okay. Let's just call it what it is. Some of us have varying degrees of anger than others. I appreciate that, but if you drive a car, at some point, you're going to give somebody, uh, you know, the nasty stare where you just, you drive by them, you know what I'm saying, they didn't get out of your way, right? So this is, this is my life, right? Now, in California, uh, my wife and I were in California for several years, and I was on staff at a church called Saddleback Church, and I moved from one location because we had multiple campuses, I moved from one campus to another campus. Well, when I moved to this other campus, it was 35 miles away. And what was deemed among the worst commutes in America, okay? This is not a lie, all right? And it was like, you know the old Saturday Night Live skit, the Californians, you know, right? So if you know that skit, you know this is like, you get on the 405, you go to the 55, to the 91, all the way out to Temecula, you know, okay? So that's what my life was like. Now, just to top it off, I'm just going to put the cherry on top. It actually did look like a cherry. was my bright red Prius, and across the back, the whole entire bumper was this word called hybrid. I wanted everyone to know that I was an angry driver, okay? And so I'm in my little red Prius, and I'm going down the freeway, and I didn't want to, you know, the reason why I chose to do the commute was because my boys were in high school, and I didn't feel like transferring them and all that stuff, so I was trying to be the good dad, you know? But I'm on the freeway, and I'm on the 405, and I'm heading to the 55, right? I'm there, and these people just keep getting in my way. Now, it's eight lanes on going one direction, full of traffic, right? Bumper to bumper, all the time. They call it the worst commute in America for a reason. Okay, it was awful. But I still felt this incredible amount of anger as people, they were getting in front of me, okay? I'm just being honest, being a little transparent. So one day, I was in one of my rages. Ah! I was yelling, go, oh, let's go. I was in one of my rages, and the woman finally gets over to the other lane, I mean, there was obvious gap between her and the next car. She could have closed that. You know what I'm saying? She could have closed that. But there was an obvious gap, so she gets over. And yes, of course, I did this. 
You know, I gave her the look. And as I looked over, I noticed that this woman was, I mean, she was bawling. She was crying. I was like, pull over. You know, it's like, get off the road. And um, in that moment, you know, I, I got, Jesus just grabbed a hold of my heart. He really did. He just broke my heart. I felt so bad. I don't know if I made her cry, whatever reason. She was obviously having a bad morning, a bad day. And man, I just felt so convicted. I felt so bad that as a, as, you know, just as a person, not even as a pastor, but just as a follower of Jesus, that this was the attitude I was having. I was out of control. I was letting my anger, I was letting my circumstances, I was letting other people sort of just dictate how I felt about my day, about my work, about whatever. And so I just felt so gently the Lord just whispered me, just get in the right lane. And so I started to drive in the right lane, and I drove all the way to work in the right lane behind slow cars. And that afternoon on the way home, uh, all 35 miles, I drove back in the, in the right lane all the way home. And so that began a process for me, a journey over a couple years, really of what I called sort of this riding in the right lane principle. And so God began to really teach me a lot because as I got into the right lane, I'll admit to you at first, it was just so I wouldn't get so angry. So I would calm down. So I would, you know, not be so, so violent in, in my attitude, right? But as I got over, the, the, the most amazing thing began to happen because that calmness actually led to a conversation with God. I would pray, I would worship, I would talk to him, and he would amazingly talk back to me, right? Not in some weird sense, but he would just comfort my heart. And it began this beautiful journey with Christ, and that conversation just turned into creativity and into ideas and just all these things that I wanted to do for him and all these things he was putting in my heart to do. It was just the most amazing thing. And so I started off going into the right lane just so I could become, but eventually I started craving the right lane. I wanted to be in the right lane because that's where God met me. And on the freeway, the 405 and the 55, God was doing an amazing work in my heart. The principle of riding in the right lane. God wants you to ride in the right lane with him. He wants to speak to you and he wants to speak to your heart. And it's all about this idea of letting go. But we're not the only ones who actually struggle with that idea. So here's the good news. All right, so the disciples, those, those guys that followed Jesus on a regular, right? They were walking with Jesus during the three years of his ministry. They actually struggled in trusting him too. And we see this all throughout their journey with Jesus. But there's this one uh, chapter in uh, the book of John, John 21, where Jesus has already been crucified. He's risen from the dead, and now he's just out among the people after the resurrection. And so a lot of times uh, we do when we, what we like to do when we lose control, and that is we go back to the things that we could control. And this is exactly where we found the disciples in John 21. Now, they're doing what they knew how to do because they were professional fishermen. And so John and Peter and some of the other disciples were in a boat, and they were fishing. They knew what they were doing. But they didn't have any luck. They didn't catch anything. And then Jesus is on the seashore, right? He's on the shore and he's looking out at the boat. And he says, hey, children, have you caught anything? Right? And I love this because this is how I know I'm like, the disciples are like us, right? The only answer we get it in the, in the Bible, what their response was, no. You know they were giving Jesus the nasty stare. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, 
You know, they just had to look over at the seashore like, what an idiot. If I could just get this bodor around his neck or something, have I caught any fish? You know, they're going crazy. No. Then Jesus says, throw your net on the right side of the boat. And so what happens in that moment is John realizes this is not just some other guy, you know, trying to pick a fight with us or make fun of us or whatever. This is Jesus. And in that moment, they, they did exactly what Jesus said to do, and they threw the net over the right side. And this is, this is what happens in John 21, verse 6. He says, throw your net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. And when they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. So just like us, even the disciples had to learn how to trust. They had to learn how to let go of what they knew how to do their entire life. And they had to put their trust in Jesus because in doing so, what they realized is that there was an abundance of life that was waiting for them. So the art of letting go does not start with, I quit. It starts with, I submit. You see, we think letting go means we have to quit. See, this jacket that I had on, right? Now, I haven't said this in any other service, but this jacket that I had on represented everything that I wanted to be and everything that it was. That was my entire identity. And when that didn't happen, I wanted to quit. Not just sports, not just doing things. I wanted to quit at life. I was devastated. In fact, there was a time where I would actually sit on the edge of my bed with a revolver, wondering if I was going to have the guts enough to put bullets in the gun. That's quitting. I understand that maybe some of you might even be going through that struggle today. You're not sure if you want to quit yet or not. And I want to encourage you, don't quit. Let's try to submit. That's what letting go looks like. The art of letting go means that we learn to ride in the right lane. You know, the traffic never actually changed for me in California. Right? It didn't matter where, what lane I was in, it was still packed. It was still the worst commute in America. The, the miles never actually got shorter. It was still the same distance every single day to work and from work. The same distance every single day. None of those things actually changed for me. But what did change for me when I learned to submit myself was that that journey became powerfully sweet. It became incredible for me. It became something that was so rich and true and pure. It shaped my life. When we submit to Christ, he gives us incredible change. Change happens in our life when we decide to take control of things that we do have power over instead of craving to change the things that we can't. So I had a choice to make. I could keep driving like a maniac, and maybe you do too, but I submitted that time to God. And in the process, he did something supernatural in my life. What we do know is that the world is just going to keep on moving, right? Chaos is going to happen. Now, I'm not like a doomsday guy. I'm not like a, a Debbie Downer or whatever, right? And if your name is Debbie, I apologize. Sorry about that. I don't know how you got stuck with that thing, but th there you go. But here's the truth. We're not going to be able to help everybody that we want to help. We're not going to be able to feed everybody that we want to feed. We're not going to be able to save people. In fact, we're not even called to do that. And so I'm going to just acknowledge the fact that things are just going to keep on happening. The world is still going to keep on moving, but 
Just like Pastor Todd was talking about that future sense of Psalms 46, so is this art of letting go. It, it has an idea of a future sense for us. So when it comes to trusting God, every step you take towards Jesus is an arrival. Every time you try to read the Bible, but it doesn't make any sense, you're actually taking a step closer to Jesus. Every time you try to pray, and it doesn't feel like they're going anywhere, you're not even sure if you know what you're praying, you're actually taking a step closer to Jesus. Every time you ask a question, and you want to know more about him, and you want to know who he is, you're actually taking a step closer to Jesus. Every step closer you take to Jesus is an arrival. And so that's why it's so important for us, despite the circumstances, despite what's happening in our world, that we keep taking steps closer to him. That helps us let go. Letting go is all about trust. The hardest thing to do is surrender control of our lives. We all want to hold on to the reins very tightly, right? Because we want to be the directors of our own destiny. We want to be sort of the directors of our own journey. We want to make sure that where we go is where we want to go. But the reality is, is that ch the challenges in our life are actually not our responsibility alone. So letting go feels like you're actually losing, you're losing control, but actually what happening, what's happening is you're actually assuming total control when you let go. That's the art of it. That's the art of letting go. And it's, it's, it's allowing yourself to, to embrace not only what's happening around you, but actually what's happening through you. And that's what we're after. That's what Jesus is after because he wants to work through your life. So being still, and we go back to this passage in Psalms 46, being still is not passive acceptance. It is actually active surrender. Pastor Todd's going to come back, and he's going to close here in a few minutes, and I want to close with this, with this question today. What is your right lane? We all have one. What is your right lane? Maybe it's to choose to surrender to Jesus for the first time in your life. Maybe if you're watching online or you're listening on the podcast, maybe you've been fighting this battle about, I don't know if I can trust him. I don't know if I can trust him. I respect that. But maybe today, maybe for the very first time in your life, you say, you know what? I'm going to choose to put my trust in Jesus. Maybe that's your right lane. You know, and like I mentioned, you know, I was um, fortunate enough when I was at Saddleback Church to have the privilege to go to counseling. In fact, I actually fought this really hard. I didn't think I needed it. But I was required to go to counseling for a couple years. Not because there was anything wrong or bad, but because they cared so much about us that they were willing to help us do those things. Counseling is something that has helped change my life. Maybe that's your right lane today. Maybe you've been trying to fight a journey on your own and you keep coming back to the same spot. Maybe you need to choose a community group. Get connected, build relationships. Maybe you just need to choose to serve. I don't know what your right lane is today, but here's what I want to promise you. That Jesus is inviting us into it with him. And just like the disciples, just like the disciples, 
and we cast our nets on the right side. For me, it was learning how to drive in the right lane. For you, it may be something else. But that art of letting go, being still, when we do that, just like the disciples, I know that we're going to find our nets are full of life because of who he is. Thank you, Rob. Man, what a challenge from Rob. And I just want to circle back to that question as public worship comes up of what is our right lane? I know for me personally, the, the last point that being still is not passive acceptance, but it's active surrender. That, that's huge. That Jesus is inviting us to take an active, intentional step into our right lane, into trust. And Rob, I just want to thank you. I know one thing Whitney and I have been working on is our right lane is our day off, a full day off of rest. And this just encouraged us. We got to double down. We've got to protect that. We can't let that slide or reason our way out of that. So thank you for that. And I hope that all of us have that action that we're going, yes, this is the right lane that I need to step into. And maybe for you, as Rob said, that's just surrendering to Jesus. If you need to surrender to Jesus for the first time, our prayer team will be in the back by the camera. Go talk to them. If you're watching on YouTube, email katie at publicchurch.com. Because whether you're in the room or whether you're watching, we're having baptisms today. We'd love to have to plan baptisms real soon because some people gave their lives to Jesus today and that was their first move into the right lane. That would be phenomenal. And maybe you're sitting here and you're going, look, I follow Jesus, but I, I don't know what the right lane is. I don't know what this practically looks like. And go back to the prayer team and just say, would you just pray for me? They would be honored. Just take a few moments and pray for you right where you are. And public worship is going to lead us in a song called Highlands by Hillsong United. And this song, it's really just a declaration of trust. So we're going to look at the chorus. But before we do, I just want to acknowledge that honestly, some of us may not be able to sing this song and truly mean it right now. But I want to encourage us to sing it with this attitude. Jesus, I'm struggling to trust, but I want to take a step towards it. And a step into trust, a step in the right lane for me is just singing these words. And we're praying that by the end of this series that we'd be able to sing them and fully mean them. So here's what the chorus says. It says, so I will praise you on the mountain and I will praise you in the mountains in my way. You're the summit where my feet are. So I will praise you in the valleys all the same. No less God within the shadows. Isn't that good news? That when the shadows have consumed us, he's still God. There's no less faithful when the night leads me astray, when I blow it, when it's my fault, the distance between me and God is my fault. He's still God. He's still faithful. Because you're the heavens where my heart is in the highlands and the heartache all the same. So take a moment, reflect What is our right lane? And then when you're ready, let's stand and let this song be a prayer of trust to Jesus. So Jesus, thank you for starting us on this journey. Thank you for beginning to just show us the first part of the art of letting go. And I know I have some trust issues. So help me, help us to move towards our right lane, to take a step towards trust. I pray the lyric of these songs as we sing, which move us, closer to a place of letting go.